So I got a new tattoo the other day. It feels a little weird though. I noticed these like black vines coming out of it last night. I, I'm, I'm hoping it's not like infected or something. Oh God! You ah! bastards, give me back my head! No, no, this is just my thumb chainsaw. Uh, yeah, no, that's fine. Hi, welcome to Bomb Squad Movie Night, episode 116. I am Tim M. Sullivan, no relation to Lily Sullivan, and with me I have. Hi, I'm Eric Estrada's lawyer, and I do not endorse using his last name to summon Kandarian demons. I'm with the maggots now. <laughs> Steal my bit, why don't you? Tim, part of me wants to believe you got the tattoo just for this bit. Hi, I'm Tanner Richard Craft. <laughs> and today we have a returning guest joining the illustrious Three Times Club. I'm Tony Hopkins. Three, three times, third time's the charm. Today we are talking about the uh, hit family film Evil Dead Rise, directed by <laughs> Lee Cronin. He's mostly done short films and episodes of television. I think he only had one proper feature before this, which was in a 24 film called The Hole in the Ground. So he's a relative up-and-comer. Um, this, of course, is the second time that the Evil Dead franchise has been rebooted as a uh, Western film after Fede Alvarez's movie from 2013. So so uh, our question to start this off is, what is your favorite horror remake slash reboot? We're going to start with Austin. Oh, okay. Look, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel here. My answer is about as ordinary as they come. John Carpenter's The Thing is my favorite, and David Cronenberg's The Fly is my second favorite. So I'm going to step down on my list one more slot and sing my praises for a much more polarizing film, the 2018 Suspiria remake. You stole my answer! Uh, it's known as the world's craziest episode of Undercover Boss. One thing I adore in a movie is when it manages to go from zero to absolutely bonkers when it lulls you into this false sense of security, then it hits you with images that would drive a Victorian child absolutely insane. I can't show you much from Suspiria's climax on YouTube because this film is very European with its nudity, but it's about as balls to the walls crazy as it gets. Beyond even that, it's an intelligent, haunting film that depicts a coven of witches in this, like, totally serious, terrifying way, which is refreshing considering how much media there is featuring goofy Halloween store witches. Best of all, because of this movie, Tom York produced two absolutely timeless tracks, Suspirium and Unmade, and the sequences in the film that they're used in are so tastefully done. As a longtime Radiohead fan, it felt like Christmas came early. Do you listen to Radiohead? Uh-huh. Tom York. So yes, if you're in the mood for something that's heinously fucked up, even by horror movie standards, Suspiria should set you up nicely. Buckle up for the long runtime. I promise you the ending is unlike anything you've ever seen. Hell yeah, Suspiria 2018 rules. Finally. Tony, do you have anything else you'd like to say about 2018 Suspiria? Absolutely. No, I'm glad someone else appreciates it. I just really like it because it is totally different from the original. Because if you want like a campy giallo movie, you can watch Dario Argento's. And if you want a more like messed up, kind of grungier version, then you can watch Luca Guanganino's and... I just love the imagery because it's like, it's all dark and gritty without being like super dark, like looking like visually. There are two things that dance can never be again. Beautiful 
and cheerful. And also, I, I love a good quirky modern dance because it is super weird. As someone who is involved in the dance world, modern dance looks weird, and I'm glad that we're putting that into the witchcraft format. <laughs> awesome. All right. Tanner, we'll go with you next. Uh, before I uh, answer this question, I want to preface this by saying that when this uh, question was handed to me, it was not phrased as remake, it was phrased as reboot, and uh, Tim gave me an out immediately, uh, but decided to challenge myself and find an actual proper reboot. Um, I failed. No one's ever found it. That's because it doesn't exist. However, I found something that, in terms of this own franchise's wordings, is a requel. My answer to this is the 2020. To 2022, no, wait, 2020, what year is, where am I? 2022? 2022, the 2022 Scream movie, okay, the new Scream movies. Hell yeah. They're my favorite Scream movies since the original. They lean more on the sequel aspect of it than the reboot aspect of it, but the first of these movies coined a term that I really love, requel, which describes everything that's been ripping off The Force Awakens in a way that I really appreciate. You killed my best friend! Yeah, and you died like a pussy. They are just as fun as those original movies. I think they capture the spirit of Wes Craven's original about as good as any of the ones he made, which are the other four movies. The newest one that came out just this year is actually my favorite Scream movie since Scream. A hot take around these parts, apparently, but I stand by it. But yeah, that's my uh, favorite uh, horror reboot. Uh, honorable mention to Halloween 2018 because it led to Halloween ends. Nice. Yeah, no, I dig the 2022 Scream a lot. Uh, five Cream stands rise up. Five cream! Joe V, what is your answer? All right, so we're talking quality horror reboots slash remakes here with Suspiria and uh, the Scream movies. How do I top that? I don't, because I'm digging in the trash bin. My first answer, and I'm going to be brief about it, it's the 2009 Friday the 13th. Absolute dog shit, like in the screenwriting department, but all of those goddamn Friday the 13th movies are terrible in the writing department and just everything else. You just go there to see Jason kill, you get exactly what the title promises and what the franchise promises. You also get a line so goddamn stupid as, oh wow, your tits are stupid. The only line I remember from that movie. <laughs> <laughs> but the one that's actually a little bit more quality and honestly kind of goes a little bit more away from the horror genre, it's still kind of a horror movie, but it goes more in an action route. Well, 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 let me guess. Spring cleaning. And his name is John C. We're going to talk about the 1999 Stephen Sommers directed The Mummy, starring Brendan Fraser. It's an absolutely fun swashbuckling time. Fraser is a wonderful uh, swashbuckling hero. Rachel Wise is a wonderful comedic romantic lead. The Mummy's fucking terrifying. The visual effects eh, don't really hold up, but honestly, it kind of makes it a little bit more creepy. It's a solid reboots and it takes the original and just kind of plays with it and kind of updates it and makes it more fun. 
Hell yeah, that is a creative answer and I appreciate it. Solid picks all around. Kind of like what Austin said, the thing is number one and uh, the fly is number two. We already did a whole episode on the thing, so I'm not gonna bore you with that. Go watch that instead. But I'm gonna use this opportunity to talk a little bit about the previous Evil Dead reboot, the 2013 one from Fede Alvarez, which it, it is definitely a divisive movie. I think a lot of people either love it or hate it. I lean closer to the love it department i think it's got a lot going for it that's really strong it's a very intense movie it does lose a little bit of the fun from the original trilogy but i do think it has a lot of love for that original trilogy they have little homages throughout the whole film it's a good time it's a fun time the final battle where it's just raining blood is just the most incredible like boss fight final fight of a horror movie ever seen it's just really intense definitely not for the squeamish but if you can handle some like really intense painful violence it's definitely worth a watch groovy Now, uh, how did I feel about that one weighted against the new one, Evil Dead Rise? We'll find out after I hear from the rest of these guys. What are your thoughts on Evil Dead Rise? We will start with Tanner. Oh, fuck me. All right. Uh, When I saw this, Tim was uh, surprisingly behind me. That was fun. Wow. What a picture. A lot of killing. Um, Love the killing. (laughs) I just need to get this off my chest right off the bat, which is when I saw the trailer for this and saw that it revolved around a family, I went, oh, so this movie's going to be like a dead mom tormenting her kids. But those kids, nothing's going to happen to them. Oh, they fuck up two of these kids. They fuck up the fuck up. Holy shit. That dude was eating glass. Oh, that sequence when everyone in the hallway's getting fucked up with some Looney Tunes ass antics. Love that. Very violent, very gory, but uh, it, it captures a lot of what my favorite two Evil Dead movies have, Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness, the fun zaniness of it that was missing in the 2013 reboot. That's not to say the 2000 reboot is completely lacking in fun. The, the raining and blood sequence that Tim brought up, I don't know how you can watch it and not think it's at least a little fun, but I, I get why people don't think it's fun. This one, there were like a lot of humor. I loved Alyssa Sutherland's performance in the movie, just going all out for it. You almost forget about the fact that both of our leads have Australian accents. They're not very good at hiding. What the fuck, Kayla? Oh, wait till you see the shot I got. You look like you were going to shit a brick out sideways. You could have taken my head off. It's my favorite Evil Dead movie since Army of Darkness and a bit of a controversial take, my third favorite Evil Dead movie overall behind only uh, Army of Darkness and Evil Dead 2. The sound of this movie and the way the camera moves is like on a technical level it's just really good and uh, for me personally if I see a movie with better makeup this year it'll be one of the best makeup jobs in a movie of all time because the makeup in this movie is very stellar it's my favorite horror movie of the year so far a lot of killing back to you Tim hell yeah all right Joe what are your thoughts on Evil Dead Rise Man, uh, this was my favorite movie of the year for like a good couple of weeks. And then another movie we're talking about next week came out. But I fucking loved this movie. I thought it was an absolute blast to see in the theaters. It's funny that Tanner brings up how good the sound design is because he was giving me shit for one of my opinions about the sound design, which I believe is the sound design of this is the star of the movie. Camera is. 
right out of the fucking gate, that sound design sets a tone. Dune's probably gonna take all of those fucking sound awards and Evil Dead Rise won't get anything, which I think is bullshit. This deserves every sound award. Open up now. Like a good girl. Come on now. <laughs> Do it for mom and dad. Sounds great. Camera's fucking great. Lee Cronin mm. and Michael Bay, two directors who really fucking know how to use drones. Oh, okay. <laughs> what What were you thinking I was going to say, Tanner? I, for some reason, with the way that was going, I was like, did Michael Bay write this? Because <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot less racist stereotypes than I expected if Michael Bay wrote it. No, Michael Bay did not write this picture. Uh, performances are really fucking good. I will say, definitely not favorite character of the year. Megan kind of came in at the beginning of the year and just stole that award. However, best performance in any movie I've seen all year, like horror and otherwise, Alyssa fucking Sutherland Mm -hmm. as the mom in this steals the entire goddamn movie. She's fucking incredible in this. Mm -hmm. There's lots of fun little like horror nods from Evil Dead that you get in this. And honestly, just horror movies, you can tell that Lee Cronin's a horror fan because there's like allusions Mm -hmm. to Alien, Alien, Aliens, The Ring. I, I don't think it's intentional, but I was getting some Silent Hill 4 vibes from the peephole shots. But as a horror fan, I'm just like, okay, this guy knows what he's fucking doing. He loves what he's doing. Overall fun time. Back to you, Tim. Hell yeah. Tony, thoughts on Evil Dead Rise? I freaking loved it. Like, Woo! I was in shock at the end. I saw it with my roommate and we were just sitting there taking it in. You guys have said like the camera, the sound, all of it. Especially the fact that they use so many split diopter shots that specifically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like, oh, makes my heart happy. Yeah, and it's like it's funny and I like how they use the kills and things like that creatively within the space they're in. Because, you know, they're in a house. They're in a kitchen a lot. So there's a lot of like stuff and then oh yeah the mom's a tattoo artist so we gotta do something fun with that it's like it takes advantage of its setting and its limitations really really well and Alyssa Sutherland is mother and I love her posting all of her behind the scenes Mm -hmm. of like (laughs) her doing all her stunts like it looks like she's having so much fun I also really like the like things she posted of her just like in the recording booth just making noises yeah where she's like Like, just making all those noises. (laughs) Yeah, there was a specific clip where she's holding on to the camera like she's on a pedestal and she's, like, holding it like this and moving it and the guy's, like, holding it up like this. And I was just, like, it's nice to see a movie with, like, a bigger budget still doing those really simple, like, Mm -hmm. tricks. And it was, like, funny while also being genuinely, like, freaky. I had to look away at some parts. Yeah. (laughs) But I loved it. I loved it. Hell yeah. I I believe uh, what you alluded to is what I like to call Chekhov's tattoo gun. Uh, Austin, (laughs) what are your thoughts on Evil Dead Rise? You know, I took the time to watch everything that Lee Cronin has made since his breakout short film, Ghost Train. And every single short and feature afterward all have one thing in common. There's a hole with something fucked up in the hole, and it's not friendly towards the children. Yeah. (laughs) 
I've also been listening to his sort of like victory lap press tour that he's been doing over around Europe. They ask better questions than American journalists over there. He usually tells the same two stories. The first is that the first movie that ever frightened him was Jaws, specifically mm -hmm. when Ben Gardner's head pops out of the boat, right? Then there's yeah. his story about The Shining, which is a little more relevant to my thoughts on this film. Apparently, when Lee was a little kid, maybe like nine or something, very little kid, he saw The Shining on VHS, and it kind of rattled him a little bit. And then his old man came home and was like, oh, shit, poor kid. Then his dad saw the VHS tape and was like, you know, I haven't seen The Shining since it was in theaters. I'm going to watch The Shining. And uh, our little dude Lee was up in his room, still being spooked, and through the walls of that house our young director heard the movie through the walls and it clicked in his head he's like oh sound is a big part of what makes a horror movie scary now to the point evil dead films are kind of like little bloody snowflakes they're all unique each one excels at something kind of different at this point mm -hmm. and evil dead rise this newest one to echo what a lot of you have said excels at utilizing sound to scare the ever-loving shit out of you for me mm -hmm. uh, the sequence where danny opens the book for the first time and you you see all those blood drawings of torture combined with the score absolutely made my heart rate go up. Apparently, the composer made one of the tracks in this film just by like taking a knife and fucking up the inside of a piano. So they were really oh, creative yeah. with that. Huge points for using Dance Yourself Clean by LCD Sound System in this movie. That band is fucking aces. Beyond the incredible sound mix, it has a couple of other things that are unique additions for an Evil Dead film that I, uh, appreciated more than, like, full-on loved. As you may notice, none of these characters are Ash Williams. That's a tough pill to swallow. But when Lee Cronin was writing the screenplay, he based all these characters off of people he knew in real life. So they're actually very likable. Because he's from New Zealand and not here. Which was refreshing, especially for the kids, because usually kids in horror movies are pretty fucking annoying. Then there's the slake modern cinematography. The film looks excellent, and I'm happy it had, like, a brief theatrical-only release, because some of these compositions work extremely well on a large screen, specifically some of the shots of the book. I was a bit disappointed it wasn't super disgusting and fucked up to the same extent that the 2013 film was. Some of the callbacks to other films felt kind of out of place for me. I wish a few of those other apartment residents could have had crazier death scenes, and the screenplay could have definitely fleshed out some of the character dilemmas more effectively. I think it lives up to the Evil Dead brand enough to ultimately be a really fun movie, but I think the direct-to-streaming origins may have tipped this in a less exciting direction than the previous theatrically-oriented entries. None of what I just said matters, though. Evil Dead is leagues ahead of any other horror franchise in terms of sheer craziness, so grading mm -hmm. these is kind of difficult. It was great, not amazing, but at the end of the day, still groovy. Hell yeah. Groovy. Good thoughts all around. Uh, my thoughts are going to basically echo all of yours. It's a great time. As far as like comparing it to the 2013 Evil Dead reboot, I do think that like it's, it's less intense, but it does substitute that for just good old-fashioned fun. I think something that I appreciated about this is that it did kind of play with that tone in the way that at least the first two kind of did. I think it's more tone 
tonally in line with the original where it has humor but it's a little more subtle and that I think really works for me and then I love that at the end of it it just becomes a fucking monster amalgamation of all of the deadites <laughs> like you don't see that shit in movies anymore they got creative with that and it rules and I kind of agree with Austin that like some of the little homages felt a little forced like I think when everybody in the hallway started saying dead by dawn I was like this is a little much but I still I still love it like just watching that trailer and uh, hearing the record playing just the Conda Estrada I was like oh this is gonna rule this really captures what makes those original Evil Dead movies which is the fun but it does have a good bit of intensity like what we're saying the kids get fucked up like you watch the trailer you think they're gonna pull some punches and they don't really you see a kid swallow glass that's a little intense (laughs) you see that same kid get impaled with wood Stephanie right Stephanie, Stephanie yeah. <laughs> to the rescue. Uh, I think I'll have more coherent thoughts when we go into general discussion. So right now we're going to take a quick ad break and we will be right back. This movie fucking sucks. What? <laughs> from ads. Now for another ad. Do you like movies? Do you like colors? Specifically, do you like the color red for blood? Then do we have a product for you? Moviepalette.com It's a website where you can order little blocks of canvas that have thin lines that represent a frame from a film. I have one on my wall for the hit film Mandy. He has one on his wall for the hit film Punch Drunk Love. You can get one from any of the original Evil Dead movies. Maybe the 2013 one? But you can get one for basically any movie you want to get. Even if they don't have it, you can get them custom made. If you go to moviepalette.com, but if you use the promo code SQUAD15, you get 15% off your order. Now, for some general discussion, and I would like to lead this off by going full Pepe Sylvia for a moment. (laughs) This was a rant that I was originally saving for the Army of Darkness cast, but I figure this is an equally appropriate one to bring it up. So I have a headcanon about like the timeline of this movie. I think the timeline of the franchise forks in Army of Darkness because there are two endings. There's the S-Smart ending that everybody in America knows, and then there's the ending that a lot of people overseas know, where Ash sleeps too long and wakes up after the apocalypse has happened. Right. Uh, I think that Ash vs. Evil Dead takes place in the S-Smart ending universe, and the reboots take place in the apocalypse universe where Ash slept too long. Now that now that we're doing this thing where there's an Evil Dead movie coming out every couple of years with a new set of lead characters i think what we do here's my pitch we do maybe two or three more and then we have the evil dead avengers movie where ash (laughs) comes in back from the post-apocalypse world he's got an eye patch he's nick fury now for some reason oh my god Uh, and he unites all the protagonists to defeat the deadites 
Let's go. Let's go. I'm into it. I have a question. Uh, regarding your theory, Tim, uh, where does the Bruce Campbell cameo in this movie fit into this timeline? Where he, it might be Ash Williams in the 1920s. So he, he has a cameo in the record. Uh, he's the guy who says it's called the Book of the Dead for a reason. Destroy it. Uh, there may well be a thing where he was traveling in time and then he went too far back and ended up in the 20s or something. I don't know. Or it's his grandpa and the chin like just carries down generation after generation. Uh, yeah, the <laughs> there, chin there is go. genetic. No, no, no. I like to think that Ash Williams is so goddamn stupid that he's continuously going back and forth through time and fucking shit up because he's oh, that absolutely. goddamn dumb. <laughs> Me and the boys fucking up the timeline. Call me Barry Allen the way I fuck this timeline. At one point, uh, Sam Raimi was going to make a movie that was tentatively titled Evil Dead 4, where the two ashes from the two Army of Darkness endings would, like, communicate with each other, but the studio was just <laughs> like, this is too convoluted and no one knows what the hell you're talking about. God damn it, he was ahead of his time! Studios would eat that shit up now! He's doing multiverse before the multiverse. Before exactly. his multiverse of madness. Apparently at South By, when they were doing a Q&A panel, yes. the guy announcing it was like, no one's allowed to ask any questions about Doctor Strange 2. Well, the question should only be relative to Evil Dead. Evil Dead Rise in particular. If you go astray and you say, Mr. Raimi and Doctor Strange 2... My lovely assistant is going to... So no bad questions. And I found that to be a good moment. But there was this uh, story Lee Cronin said where he was on a plane going somewhere for the movie and Glenn Howerton was there because I think they were like doing something related to the Blackberry movie. And um, Glenn Howerton was like, oh, you're the guy making the new Evil Dead. Evil Dead 2 is the reason I got into movies. Like the reason that he got into acting and producing and everything was because he saw Evil Dead 2 as a kid. Man, I'm excited for that Blackberry movie. So I got two little tidbits. Uh, one's a prop I want to share here because I forgot to do that earlier. I, I work at a movie theater now, so I got this big-ass poster. Yo, oh, nice. It, it looks fucking great. But I want to talk about my story seeing this yesterday for a second time. Okay, because, good. I was oh, hoping you would this bring guy. This up. Yeah. Okay, so this was a very fucking beautiful second screening of this. So yesterday I saw it in a packed theater. There were unfortunately fucking children in there, which was why please don't fucking bring your kids to these, but that's not the story I want to tell. And the story I want to tell was about the guy to my left. So, we're just watching the movie, all nice and fine, everything's going alright, and then, like, shit's, like, starting to really hit the fan of the movie. And then after a certain point, the guy to my left just kind of starts sobbing. Like, he, he is, like, quietly sobbing to himself, and he's, like, reacting to, like, everything, like, that's happening on screen, that, like, all the violence with just doing this and, like, shaking, and he's just, like, sobbing the whole way fucking through. And I'm just, like... I, I mean, I get it. I, I, I feel bad for the guy, and he's yeah. at least being quiet about it, but, like, I'm honestly kind of proud of him, too, because he stayed through the whole movie. But he was not having a good time at all. It was honestly kind of a beautiful thing to witness. We, we stand a king. They're just kids. I hope he went and got, like, some cold stone after this. Like, I, like if, <laughs> if a movie fucked me up that bad, I want some ice cream. Wait, I know that guy. He does PR for a cheese grater company. He's oh like God. their PR guy. 
no. So the cheese grater, can we all admit we thought it was probably going to be a lot more intense than it actually was? Yeah, I I heard that like the people who got to see the premiere, it like hit much harder for them because it wasn't in the Red Band trailer that that hadn't come out yet. So Uh, when that hit, it was like, ooh, but knowing it's coming, it's just kind of like, yeah, no, I mean, that that is that is painful to watch. I still think it's icky. Like, like, it's still gross, but eh, it could have been worse. <laughs> what kind of moments made you guys kind of go do the whole... Oh, for me, it was when she swallowed the glass. Yes. For sure. Oh, yeah. I, like, I definitely... Yeah. Everything with them, I was like, oh... That's, that's probably the most, like, ugh. Yeah, because... Oh, the thing me with the, the scissors... That's something else I wanted to bring up is uh, something that was kind of interesting that I picked up on is that it feels much more like in this movie they're trying to spread the Deadeyedism vampirically. Like they're trying to get their DNA in people. I dig it. I dig it. Like I do appreciate like what they did in the other ones where it's just like it's it's gonna enter you. There's not much you could do about it. <laughs> the camera hits you in the face with it. <laughs> it. I do like how it kind of feels like there's more rules here, but there's still going ham with it. For me, the thing that made me cringe the most was when Danny, the the son, was trying to do, like, DJ scratches over an LCD sound system song. (laughs) That was just ruinous. That was pretty fucked up. That's what made this a horror movie. (laughs) Deserved. This had the best title card I've seen all year. (gasps) Yes! Yes, The title card was great! Beautiful. I do love that the Evil Dead reboots each have a title card that goes hard as fuck. Mm-hmm. Like the 2013 one, it just big crazy moment and then and then this one, it's just it fucking comes up behind the trees as she's coming out of the water. Speaking of the title card, do we think that the next Evil Dead movie is going to follow that group? Like at the cabin? Oh, I don't think so because yeah. it felt like Two of their three is already dead. Yeah. It felt like yeah. it kind of wrapped up by the title card. Yeah, it did feel like kind of a one-off, but like it would be interesting to see. Because it's out there now. Like the Deadeye, it's out there. Yeah, Maybe. It, it would be neat to see something with that Deadeye. As cool as that opening title card is, I do love how they kind of just did a thing so they could have the movie start at a cabin. And it was a triangle cabin. I, I love a good triangle building. Very, yeah. very midsummer. It was weird, though, just seeing that cabin all over the trailers when I'm just like, is this supposed to be in a high-rise apartment? What the fuck? There are a lot of people out there, I think including Chris Stuckman, who are like, oh, that was like probably like a thing the studio asked for. Was like, oh, it's Evil Dead. you got to have a cabin in the woods. But that was actually in Lee Cronin's first draft. He wanted oh. to like put some cabin in his Evil Dead movie. He wanted a little taste of what they had before. That's been in there since, you know, day one. Also, they had to shoot this film in chronological order because they destroyed the set as they went along. (laughs) And we all know how painful it is to shoot a film, a feature in chronological order. So it took them like 96 days to film this or something stupid. They had to do so much bullshit so they could like, you know, account for how much they were going to fucking destroy the set. That reminds me how in Groundhog's Day they had to cut a scene because they fucked up the hotel, ruined that take, and they couldn't fix it again. Yeah, sometimes our department can't put it back the way it was without a lot more money than you have. Uh, can I get a PA to b- rebuild the set? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A PA to set? Can we get a rebuild? That is kind of going down the same route as the 2013 one. They shot most of that in chronological order just so they could get the blood continuity right because they're just spraying it fucking everywhere. 
<laughs> a lot of spraying everywhere. I remember, like, I'm watching the movie, and I'm watching all the kids get messed up, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, like, everyone's getting infected. But then I'm like, wait a minute, this is an Evil Dead movie. They all do that. This one almost feels more dangerous because it's not, like, in a secluded it's all kids. area. It's all kids, and it's not in a, like, secluded area. It's, like, somewhere much more urban. No, because I came home and I take an elevator to get up to my apartment room and I kind of didn't want to get in the elevator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Taking the stairs on this one, Chief. Yeah. Uh, I unironically avoided elevators at work for the next week. Why don't I take the stairs? Speaking of elevators, something that I've noticed about the Evil Dead franchise is they've somehow like tried to make a more tasteful version of the tree scene and yet somehow making it even more fucked up. That's how I felt about the elevator scene in this. And interestingly enough, she had the vine tattoos on her like legs and arms, too. I, I thought that was like an allusion to the scene from Evil Dead 1. Yeah. I was like way more like chill with this one because it's like you don't need to see it. And I think that's what makes it scarier. Mm -hmm. But like that's kind of what I don't like about the Evil Dead 2013 one is it's like, why did you have to do that? And you made it more gross and more weird. It's like, you don't need it. You don't need it. It's like it's scary if you don't see it. So whatever but that's that's a woman's opinion <laughs> what, 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 what this movie needed was um what evil dead 2 had it needed to just like have all the cables like tie her up and then just send her like shooting into the woods with like explosions <laughs> coming out of the ground <laughs> the elevator just falls <laughs> I also really dig how this movie does it different with, like, the recording. Of course, they make Mm -hmm. it a vinyl record that some emo kid's like, dude, it's a record. (laughs) Like, don't pass the goth kid the ox. It's a 78, too, like a really weird type of record where most people don't have a machine that plays that like revolutions per minute. So they have to do the fucking thing with the hand. I bet the audio mixer had a lot of fun, like pitching that up and down and stuff. They did bring up in that uh, recording that there are uh, three volumes of the Nutron de Monto, which is that sort of plays into this idea of maybe everything could be interconnected because like you have the one from the original trilogy, you have the one from the 2013 one, and then you have this one with the teeths. I know the Lee Cronin was talking about it and he was saying like each book has a different personality. I like that. I think the color contacts on the demons is like different for each book. I think that might be a thing they did for each film is like each book give me like makes your eyes transform into some kind of different thing. Yeah, maybe we don't put glass in people's eyes anymore. That didn't work out so great the first time. What are you, Union? <laughs> yeah, they uh, now they uh, this dead eye gives them Sith Lord eyes. All right, it's time for the long-awaited return of Tim's Trivia Time. Let's go. (gasps) T-T-T! Troubling terrorist town! (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, It's a video game. So we're going to start with a fun one. Uh, According to Cronin, uh, 6,500 liters, or around uh, 1,720 gallons of fake blood was used for this film. Oh, yes. The pizza place is called Henrietta's, a reference to Henrietta Noby from Evil Dead 2. 
Uh, each of the characters in the film are named after actors from the previous films. Uh, some examples include uh, Beth after uh, Elizabeth Blackmore from the 2013 film, Ellie after Ellen Sandweiss from the original film, and Cassie after Cassie Wesley DePava from Evil Dead 2. Uh, this is a fun one. Alyssa Sutherland took inspiration for her alternate personality performance from Jim Carrey in The Mask, which, uh, reading that, Camp. I, I, can, I can see it. And uh, finally, this is the only Evil Dead film to not feature the 1973 Oldsmobile Delta 88 Royale. However, the chainsaw is apparently the same color as the Oldsmobile Delta. So yeah, that's gonna do it for trivia. What are our final thoughts? We'll start with Tony. I was going to say, before my final thoughts, I think it's cool. Well, like, interesting how this is the first Evil Dead movie where the first one that gets possessed isn't, like, a girlfriend. Like, it's Mm -hmm. the mom. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I just, this was, like, a breath of fresh air. Because I'm kind of, like, trying to get out of my comfort zone with scary. And this was the perfect gateway for that. Like, it Mm -hmm. was scary enough to where I was, like, having a good time and not traumatized. And it just reminded me so much of the other Evil Dead movies. It's just, like, I love the 90-minute runtime. It was just, like, good, simple fun. And I feel like we needed that because I saw Bo was afraid the night before. And this is a lot better. Go see this instead of Bo was afraid. Yeah, fair enough. You see this instead of Bo's Afraid. Well, I'll recommend both, but it's just, Bo's Afraid is definitely a divisive one. We'll get into that uh, later. You should watch this one because it's half as long. That is true. It is. That's, that's true. a fact. Tanner, final thoughts. I think it's so cool that Sam Raimi keeps putting the car he lost his virginity in in his movies. Just absolute baller <laughs> shit. Just wanted to get that off my chest. We stand a king. Otherwise, dare I say, before Tim or Joe can say it, Movie Groovy. Oh my god! <laughs> Joe, final thoughts. Uh, 90 minute movies are back, baby. Uh, this was a fucking incredible time at the theater. Hopefully, if you go see it, which I recommend that you do, you don't see it with children in the audience. Lee Cronin, he was asking uh, what they should do next for another Evil Dead movie. And I want to put this out into the world and I will write it once the writer's strike is over because I don't want to be a scab writer. An Evil Dead Christmas. I will write it. Lee, call me. There we go. Go, writers. Woo! WGA support stamp of approval yeah that's a good idea here's a thousand dollars kid Austin final thoughts you know besides the title this actually kind of reminds me of the Dark Knight Rises compared to the movies coming out right now in general it's pretty fantastic but compared to the movies from this franchise it left a few things to be desired on my end probably a personal thing though I'm sure most people are going to absolutely adore this movie so go see it while it's in theaters Fair enough. All right. My final thoughts. I think it's a great time. If you're a fan of the franchise, I think you'll get a lot out of it. Uh, If you just like horror, I'm sure you'll have a fun time. If you're new to horror, maybe start elsewhere. But this is a good one. And uh, you know who else is a good one? Who? Lily Sullivan. But that's besides the point. Thank you for tuning in. (laughs) Tony, thanks for joining us once again. Uh, Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Um, I will plug my Instagram and my TikTok. I'm at introducing underscore Tony on both of those. And I recently won some awards for a animated music video I did. So you should check that out on my YouTube channel. And 
I'm almost done working on a really cool project that if you follow me on TikTok, you'll know what it is. But I'm only like two scenes away from finishing it. So. Nice. <laughs> oh my God. Hell I checked yeah. out her music video. It fucking rocks. Thank you. Right. I really appreciate it. I've got, hold on. Let me pull them up. Cause I've got, got my awards. Ooh, Damn. Nice. <laughs> the Tenzies. I love the that. The Tenzies. Me when I'm elected governor of Tennessee. <laughs> All right. I'm Mr. Uh, Tenzi. That's going to do it for this episode of Bomb Squad Movie Night. Thank you for tuning in. If you are listening on any of the audio platforms, interact with it in some way, shape, or form. If you're watching this on Spotify video, I'm sure you enjoyed hearing all of our fucking disgusting language. Fuck! How about you throw us a couple of dollars on Patreon? We got some stuff coming up. Uh, it'll be real cool. And if you're watching this on YouTube, thanks for watching. Leave a comment below and let us know. What did you think of Evil Dead Rise? How do you think it compares to the 2013 reboot? What do you think of the Evil Dead franchise in all? Should Alyssa Sutherland play the mask in the next movie? Comment below and let us know. And while you're down there. The answer is yes. Make it the comic accurate mask and yes. While you're down there, hit the like button if you like the video. Hit the subscribe button if you want to see more. Hit the bell icon so that the deadites can enter your home. Tune in next week for the newest film from another horror director, hosted by Joe. Yes, uh, next week we're, we're going back to my favorite filmmaker. We're talking James Gunn and we're talking about his latest opus, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Go check it out when it comes out. Hell yeah, going to be a good time. Thank you once again for tuning in. And remember, what will be, will be. Farewell. So so you got the mask, son of the mask, and I, here's what I'm thinking, mom of the mask. Oh my God. Mommy of go. the mask. <laughs> Mommy of the mask! Brilliant ideas in Mommy's this chat. got the mask now. <laughs> they got mask now? I love that stuff, you know, the killing. A lot of killing.